Well, good morning. For, good morning. For those of you who uh, don't know me, my name is, like Pastor Rob just said, my name is Blake. I have the privilege of serving as our Director of Discipleship and Outreach. And um, what that means is in our discipleship programming, I get to work with the various facets and ministries that make up our church. So whether that's um, Terra Kids downstairs right now and Terra Youth and supporting those programs, or if it's our men's ministry or women's ministry, our tribes, our young adults ministries, um, I get to partner with them. And I, I bring that up because I just want to say, if you're, if you're new here or if you've been coming here and you're, you're looking to get plugged in further, um, we do have a lot of opportunities and a lot of, a lot of things going on. Um, if you're feeling like you want to become more and more a part of the Terra Nova community and meet new people, please come find me after the service. I'd be happy to get you plugged in with um, one of those ministries and some of those people. So, um, so there's that. And then as, an, as a person working on outreach right now, we're kind of um, working through what it looks like to really dive into this Troy community and, and revisit kind of our vision for how to become, how to reach the community that we, where we worship. Um, and I say that because of our topic for today. So that's just a little bit about who I am. I wanted to share that with everybody. Um, also, sometimes in my role, I preach, which is what I'm doing now. Um, and that's always how I tend to segue into preaching. So, um, and I think it's funny. But, um, so we've been, I want to recap a little bit where we've been as a church. So as a church, for two and a half years, we journeyed through the gospel of Matthew. Right? And we just ended that series, and we're into a new series now. And in the gospel of Matthew, what we did is we looked at the person and work of Jesus. Right? And we watched him as he worked to establish his kingdom. Right? He did things like heal the sick and love the outcast and feed the hungry and ultimately give grace to humanity in the work that he did on the cross and in his resurrection. And what, what Jesus was doing is he was establishing this perfect relationship between us and God. And he was working to help us to engage well with one another in perfect relationship with one another in him. Right? So in the Gospel of Matthew, we see this little glimpse of what heaven might look like, or this perfect world, that God, the way God originally designed the world. Right? So that's what we see in the Gospel of Matthew. And now we're in this one another series. And the aim of this series is to take what we saw and kind of explore what it looks like to do that within the church community itself. Right? What does it look like to cultivate that community, that what Jesus was doing in our church community, the focus on the internal community of the church. And that's kind of how we navigate things as a church. We have this structure and language that we talk about, these in, eternal, internal, and external perspectives in life, right? That what we see eternally, when we see who Jesus is, kind of impacts us internally and then changes us, and then we reflect what we see to the people around us. And we're doing that here We've seen who Jesus is. Now we're looking at what does it look like internally to become like that so that when we do end up moving forward and engaging externally, we're doing it from a healthy place as a church um, and that we're able to be a good image of who Jesus is to our neighbors. Right? So the way that we've been going about doing that is we're journeying through some New Testament statements um, that expose what Christian community really should look like. Um, statements like encourage one another, right? be devoted to one another, comfort one another, live at peace with one another, confess to one another. Right? And those statements that we're journeying through give insight into what deep and profound community can look like. Right? So two weeks ago, we started our series off with love one another. Right? And we read this passage, above all, 
Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And what we saw here, introducing this series, was love as the motivation for all the other one another's that we're going to be looking at. Right? And everything else that we're going to talk about, do it in love. Right? I think there's awareness that sometimes when we engage with other people, we can be prone to be motivated by selfish things. So even if I am de devoted to someone, right, I can do that because of what they offer to me, or I can do that out of love. Right? can encourage someone so that they might like me more, or I can encourage someone, encourage someone out of love. Right? I can serve someone so they feel indebted to me or so I feel better about myself, or I can serve someone out of love. Right? So for healthy community to exist, love should inform what we're doing. Right? And then last week, we looked at this idea to forbear with one another. I'm having some technical stuff here. To forbear with one another. I guess this is why I use paper, huh? Somebody's going to tell me about that in the office later. Um, all right. Forbear with one another, or bear one another's burdens. Right? And we read in Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what we looked at is this idea to journey through difficulty with the people around you. Right? And in order to do that, that we need to do life with people, do life with other people, to be present in the lives of the people around us. And what that takes is commitment, it takes vulnerability, it takes sacrifice, and from the week before, it takes love. So this week, our passage is in Galatians, and it expresses what the role of service is in the church. Serve one another. Right? And our passage is out of Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. Uh, we're going to read through it now. If you don't have a Bible and you want to track along, that's the passage we're going to be sticking in. But if you don't have a Bible, there are some over there. Um, if you're interested, uh, somebody will be able to pass them around. Dennis will pass them around if you want to put your hand up. Um, if you don't have a Bible at home, please feel free to take that home with you. But like I said, if you want that now, um, please feel free. So I'm going to read our passage for today, and then I'm going to kind of journey through the main idea and our outline for the day, and then we're going to dive right in. So the passage reads this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So the main idea that we're going to be working through today is this, that loving service, loving service to one another comes out of a selfless posture of the heart and is foundational for unity within the church community. Right? So loving service to one another comes out of a selfless posture of the heart and is foundational for unity within the church community. Right? And we're going to get there by looking at three things. The first thing we're going to look at in this passage is the, this idea of the free kingdom that the aim of service to one another is the establishment of this ideal community, right? The establishment of the kingdom of God, the original design that God has for humanity, right? That's the free kingdom. And then out of that, we're going to look at freedom from the self, right? We're going to explore our propensity that we have to be enslaved to our own selfish pursuits, right? And it's going to be held in contrast to this inward posture of service to others, so once we navigate that, then we're going to look at freedom within community. That regular and consistent service is a primary unifying factor in the church community. So we're going to start with the aim, 
the free kingdom, kind of look at ourselves, see where we line up with that, and then look at what it looks like to do community well together. So we're going to dive in. Um, the free kingdom. Paul starts off this passage. For you were called to freedom. And it's a new section in his letter, and Paul is, is our author of this letter, the letter to the Galatians. Right? And before we dive in, I want to give some context about what's happening in this letter to the Galatian church. Um, so Paul, who I said is our author, was writing to the multiple churches in Galatia. He's not writing to one individual church. He's writing to a lot of different kind of house churches that are spread throughout the city of Galatia. And what had happened, he had heard about some issues that were going on in those churches, and he was writing to them collectively to address those things. And the tone of his letter in Galatians starts off really, really harsh. In, in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul will say, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So right off the bat, Paul is saying, I'm astonished with you guys. And he's, he's correcting them. And what was happening in the church was there was this group of people going around. Uh, scholars today call them either the teachers or the Judaizers. They were a group of Jewish teachers that were teaching a different message within the church. Essentially what they were teaching was that to be in relationship with God, you needed to pursue the gospel and also follow a certain amount of Old Testament regulations. So it was Jesus plus the Old Testament law still. Right? And that message was spreading throughout the churches in Galatia, and it was causing a lot of division and conflict between the churches as they relate to each other and internally to each of the house churches themselves. And so right up to our passage, our passage is in chapter 5, it starts in verse 13, right up to our passage, Paul has been really harshly addressing that issue in his letter, and it seems that he feels like he's adequately addressed it. And when he begins verse 13, his tone changes. He says, for you were called to freedom in a really positive way. And there's some nuance there in the original language. Really, really positive, you were called to freedom. He reminds the Galatians, after all this correction, of their calling, the big picture of the gospel. And then from that point, from 13 all the way through the end of the book, he'll go on to paint this picture of what church community should look like. Toward the end of chapter 6, he'll mention the new creation Right? That the work of the church is to spread the new creation and establish the kingdom of God. It's exactly what we saw Jesus doing in the Gospel of Matthew. Right? Church community throughout the world. Right? And then he'll also, he'll, in chapter 5, a little bit after our section here, he'll talk about the fact that community is grounded in the fruit of the Spirit. Things like love and joy and peace and patience should mark church community. Right? So in his new tone, Paul is all about encouraging the Galatians to move forward. Right? And he expresses that the, the Galatians are free right, in their relationship with Christ, free from sin, free from the law, and free to enjoy relationship with God. And in that freedom to use it to establish the kingdom and establish this type of community that he's talking about and to help others do the same. So I want to pause there. I want you to do something with me. I want you to think about something and think about the world as a whole, this current state of the world and how people engage with one another. There are good things that exist, and there are evil things that exist. Right? People experience joy in relationship with one another. People have good communities. People have families. They, have, they want adventures. Right? There are good things that happen in the world as people engage with one another. And yet more often, life might be a little bit more difficult for people in how they relate to each other. People take advantage of one another. Right? People prosper under, to the detriment of other people around them. 
right? Maybe on a small scale, people take advantage of each other at work or in school or in relationships. On a large scale, human trafficking exists, poverty exists, racism, hatred, war, injustice, right? The current state of the world because of how people engage with one another. So I want you to imagine with me, though, that every interaction between every person in the world was grounded in the fruit of the spirit that Paul mentions here, right? That each interaction across the world is based in love. It's focused on joy. That it establishes peace. That it's good and kind. All of those, those engagements, right? That people are gentle with one another. That people show self-control around each other. Right? Imagine that world. Right? What a beautiful and very profound experience that would be. That's God's original design for humanity. Right? That's perfect relationship with God and perfect relationship with people. And that's what Paul is reminding the Galatians of here. He tells them to remember that they were called to freedom with, in their relationship with Christ for the purpose of establishing that type of community. Work to establish that community in the world. Right? And it's a good time for us to pause here and consider kind of our own lives. For the Galatians, their aim had shifted. Right? They were concerned with the nuance of this theological issue, and it was a good thing to be concerned about, but it had consumed them, and it had affected the ultimate aim of their lives. Paul tells them to remember their calling, and he challenges us in doing that. Right? Challenges us maybe to consider what our aim is in our lives. What are we trying to cultivate in our own lives? If I consider how I engage with other people, maybe what my focus is throughout the day, what my hopes of the future are, what's my aim? For some people, maybe it's one thing, right? I have my mindset on a goal, on a purpose, right? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's in my family, maybe it's in my relationships. For others, maybe it's everything. Maybe life is just so chaotic that it's just all consuming and the next thing is the next thing and that's kind of how life goes. Paul calls to mind, in the midst of everything, to the Galatians, to us, to remember the big picture. So that's kind of the, the, the aim of what we're talking about here today, that community. So now we're going to move on from that to freedom from the self that we see in this passage. Right? Paul will go on to say, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now that Paul has kind of reminded them of the aim, the Galatians, of the aim, the vision, the calling, right? He challenges them to consider internally why they had lost sight of that vision, right? And he does that by using this concept of freedom, right? He talks about freedom in contrast to slavery as a platform to kind of expose what was going on in the Galatians' hearts. And we see this kind of in the general structure of chapter 5, working out that way. So in the first half of chapter 5, Paul introduces this concept of slavery to the law, Right? To the law. He says there's this slavery to the law, and he kind of explains what it is. He opens up chapter 5, verse 1. He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And immediately following that, for the next 11 verses, he'll talk about this concept of slavery to the law. It's what that message was that the teachers, the Judaizers, were teaching. So he outlines that at the beginning of chapter 5, and then we have our passage. And in verse 13, he introduces another type of slavery. So we have slavery to the law, and then in verse 13, he says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Right? Slavery to the flesh. 
So Paul kind of introduces two concepts, slavery to the law, slavery to the flesh. I want to take a minute to kind of explore what, what, tries, what Paul is trying to communicate um, when he's bringing up those two topics. So slavery to the law. When Paul references slavery to the law, he's talking about a person's pursuit of righteousness. Right? The law was this system that outlined the requirements for a person to be considered what is in good standing in their relationship with God. And the intention of the law was really good. It was actually intended to cultivate the type of community that we're talking about. Right? And it was aimed at giving some guidelines to a healthy community. But what happened, however, was that the law created within people a sense of pride. As I pursue my own sense of self-righteousness, I get prideful. I could work hard to earn favor with God. Think of the Pharisees from our journey uh, throughout the Gospel of Matthew. They were really strict in their adherence to the law and in their pursuit of righteousness. They ended up longing for power, longing for status. They were quick to judge others that were not as righteous as, as themselves. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Right? They looked really good on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. Right? So what Paul's referring to here is that the law enslaves a person. It forces them to try to earn a righteousness that is impossible to earn, and it creates within them all these selfish desires. Right? The pursuit of self, according to the law. Jesus freed people from the law so that they don't have to pursue righteousness on their own. However, the Galatians, after understanding that, were turning back to the law. And Paul was correcting them. But he was concerned maybe that the Galatians would go too far the other direction. He says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now that you're free from the slavery of the law because of what Jesus has done for you, now that you don't have to work for your salvation, don't now become enslaved to the desires of the flesh. Right? Just because you no longer have to earn your righteousness doesn't mean that sin doesn't exist. Humans are full of all kinds of desires that work against God's original design. Right? And Paul immediately following our, our passage here, lists off what he, he refers to as evidence of the flesh or ev evidence of slavery to the flesh. Um, and I'm going to read this, this passage. He says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is slavery to the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he has the kingdom of God in view. And Paul's not being legalistic here and listing out all these things, the do's and don'ts. What he's doing is giving this idea of what slavery to the flesh looks like. It's pursuit of pleasure and self-gratification without regard for the people around me. Right? It enslaves a person. And he says that as a person pursues those things, they desire them more and more. So we have these two concepts, right? Paul highlights them as elevation of the self. Slavery to the law, right? Self-righteousness, self-status, self-power, right? Or slavery to the flesh. Self-gratification, immediate pleasure for self, right? And Paul tells the Galatians that you're free in Christ. This beautiful gift that Jesus gives to them. Don't enslave yourselves now to your own pursuits. He says, through love, serve one another. And he does something really obvious in the Greek that we miss in the English. Serve right there is the same word that he uses as slavery everywhere else. All right, so when Paul says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, he's saying that rather be, than being enslaved by, to your own selfish desires, instead of being enslaved to your selfish desires, 
whether it's self-righteousness or self-gratification, right, be enslaved to the idea of selflessly loving others. Right? And he uses really strong language to make a profound point. That community, the type of community we're talking about, the type of community Paul reminds the Galatians of, the perfect world, God's original design, is grounded in this inward posture of constant self-denial and then love for others. Be enslaved by the idea of loving and serving others. Let that rule your heart, is what Paul's saying. With the same sense of veracity that a person uses to pursue self in our sinful nature, right? pursue others. Love them well. Prioritize their needs over your selfish pursuits, is what he says to the Galatians. And he paints a picture for the Galatians of this ideal church community, and he tells them that the reason it's not happening is because they're enslaved to their own selfish pursuits. And again, it's a good time to pause here and consider maybe where that might be true in our hearts. What is it that we selfishly pursue that might be to the detriment or to the neglect of people around me? Right? We have these two concepts, slavery to the law and slavery to the flesh. Maybe we're, we relate more to the slavery to the law, to self-righteousness, right? Maybe I, I recognize myself that I value power and control and I pursue those things, or status or good moral standing. I want to make sure everybody thinks well of me, right? At work, in my family, my relationships, among my peers, my friends. Or maybe we're on the other side and we pursue self-gratification, right? Immediate satisfaction, immediate pleasure, despite its impact on the people around me, right? Or maybe you're like me and you feel like it's both of those things, right? And sometimes you find yourself pursuing the sense of self-righteousness and power and other times you just don't care and you're just going to do what you're going to do, right? We all pursue selfish desires. We all have sinful tendencies and patterns that we struggle to work through. And I don't ask us to analyze those things in a way that should be burdensome. What Paul is saying is that those things rob us from experiencing life the way that God intended us to. Right? When, I pursue, when I'm enslaved to myself, to this pursuits of self, it, it robs me of joy, of healthy relationships with other people. Right? When we analyze our hearts, it's not to condemn ourselves or to impose guilt. It's to help us to become aware so that we can experience the freedom from those things that Jesus provides. Right? Our righteousness is found in him, so we don't have to be burdened to pursue it ourselves. Right? He satisfies more deeply than any of the shallow desires that we have, that we can freely experience in him. Right? So Paul in this section is challenging the Galatians to explore their hearts, right? and he challenges us to do the same. Okay. So far, we've got the free kingdom that we looked at, right? Paul paints this picture of perfect community and the aim of service to one another. We're talking about service here. To one another is the establishment of this ideal community, right? The kingdom of God, the original design. And then we, we looked at ourselves, right? And explored our own propensity to be enslaved to our selfish pursuits in contrast to this inward posture of selfless pursuit of others. And now we're going to look at freedom in community. Regular and consistent service as a primary unifying factor for the church community. So back to Paul. Right? Paul has reminded the Galatians of their calling, right? the establishment of the kingdom, the church community, this beautiful picture that he wants them to have at the forefront of their mind. Right? And now he's challenged their hearts and caused them to consider maybe where they've missed the mark. 
And he held up the pursuit of others in contrast to the pursuit of self. And now he moves on to show how these two concepts might impact community. So how is it that pursuit of others impacts a community versus how is it that pursuit of self impacts a community? So at the end of our verse, Paul had said, through love serve one another, right? And then he's gonna show the contrast here. He goes on to say, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. For Paul, it's either selflessly serve one another or it's selfishly, selfishly, selfishly devour and consume one another. Right? Service within community builds the community. Right? Selfishness in community causes the community to go extinct. Right? And that makes sense. Right? If the individuals within a community are all pursuing their own desires, either for power or for status or for immediate gratification or pleasure, whatever it is, right, then very naturally those things occur to the disregard of the people around them. Community members take advantage of other community members, right, use them for their own pursuits. Every engagement, even if it looks good on the surface, is aimed at the success of the individual. If everyone was pursuing their own desires, there is no unity within the community because there is no community. However, if the individuals within a community are all pursuing the well-being of the people around them, the community flourishes. Right? Community members support one another, help to meet each other's needs in a unified effort that's aimed at the well-being of the community. If everyone pursued the flourishing of everyone else around them, everyone flourishes. It's the calling that Paul mentions at the beginning of the passage, church community done well, thriving community. So what does it look like? How does one actually pursue others in this way? Paul gives really straightforward insight. He quotes Jesus. He says, he quotes Jesus saying this, the whole law, and I'm going to actually pause there. When he says the law in this passage, I know we talked about how the law is enslaving. Here he's talking about it in a positive sense, the purpose of the law, which was designed to foster the community that we're talking about. Right? In a positive light, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? He says, desire that the people around you flourish in the same way that you want yourself to flourish. Not just the people that you like or that you're similar to, that you get along with, everyone around you. Your neighbor, the people who, regardless of how you feel about it, are part of your community. Right? And so often, when we think of service, we think of what we can practically do for someone. However, Paul here, specifically referencing Jesus, gives us kind of insight into service as something a little deeper. And he uses Jesus as an example. He calls to mind the person and work of Jesus, which the Galatian church would be very, very familiar with. So when we look at the life of Jesus... He definitely served people by meeting their practical needs, right? He fed people when they were hungry. He healed people when they were sick. He washed his disciples' feet, right? He did a lot of things. He also did a lot more than that. He met people's emotional needs. He defended people from injustice. He helped people heal from their past brokenness. Jesus had this inward posture to pursue loving people around him well, and he served people around him holistically, right? He says, love your neighbor as yourself, and then he met their physical needs, he met their spiritual needs, he met their emotional needs. He served the people around him in every way he could. 
And it came out of this selfless heart that we just looked at in this last section, right? So that's Jesus. And the question is, what does it look like for us then? And for Paul, writing to the Galatians, it looks the same way. It's a way of life. Right? Paul makes clear that service comes out of a posture of the heart. Right? With eyes kind of set on the calling, set on the establishment of the kingdom, the perfect world. Right? And with hearts enslaved to the loving pursuit of others, we engage with people in a way that's aimed at their flourishing. Right? It's about our posture as we engage with people. Right? And if it is about that, if it's about our posture as we engage with people, then we have opportunities to serve one another every time we engage with someone else. And that looks different in every circumstance. Right? And what we have to do is look for opportunities to creatively help people to flourish. It's very simple. How can I use my resources, how can I use who I am as a person to help the people around me? Whether it's my time, my finances, the status that God has given to me, right? my possessions, my social group, whatever platform I have, right? in every engagement that I have with someone, how can I help them to flourish in the moment that I'm engaging with them? And then we simply do it. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Um, and as they do, we're just going to recap where we went today. Um, our main idea for today was this, that loving service to one another is foundational for unity in the church community. It comes out of the selfless posture in our hearts, right? We looked at the free kingdom, the establishment of the kingdom of God, the perfect community. And then we explored internally freedom from the self, what it looks like to pursue others as opposed to pursuing self. Right? And then we looked at freedom within the community, that regular and consistent service is a primary factor in unity in the church community. And in this time together, we kind of analyzed our hearts, all right? And I want to encourage us that when we get up out of our seats, we're in our church community. Um, so be intentional to put into practice what we experienced today, right? And throughout the rest of this One Another series, what a beautiful thing it would be for our church community to be intentional to love one another well. If everybody in the community was super intentional to love one another well, to be intentional to bear one another's burdens well, to be intentional to serve one another well. We have opportunities every time we engage with another person to do those things. We spent two and a half years looking at Jesus, right, and what he did in the gospel. And if we can be intentional to cultivate that type of community among ourselves, imagine how impactful we can be as a community after working hard to develop the kingdom among us to be able to then lovingly engage with the people around us in our cities, in our workplaces, in our homes, right, and see the community expand outside of us. Amen? Just going to clarify one thing you said two and a half years looking at Jesus through the Gospel of Matthew. Just, we always are looking at Jesus. I just don't, didn't want that to be confusing to anybody who's listening. Wait a minute. What'd you do before two and a half years?